Morning, Glory America. That music means it is the last radio hour of the week and time for the Hillsdale Dialogue. Each week at this time, I sit down with Dr. Larry Hunt, president of Hillsdale College, or one of his colleagues to talk about matters of lasting import. We've been doing this for years. All of those conversations are collected at hugh4hillsdale.com. And everything Hillsdale, including your opportunity to subscribe for free to Imprimus, which you ought to be doing. It's a magnificent speech digest that will arrive in your mailbox for free, is at hillsdale.edu. Dr. On, good morning to you. Hey, how are you? <clears throat> I'm great. I never surprise you with my questions, do I? Uh, well, I've just learned to be unsurprised. That's all. all right. There you, there you I have a surprising question for you. You are an aficionado of the Times of London. Can you explain, before I read one, the purpose and historical place of the Times Correspondence section? Ooh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, well-equipped to do that because the Times is the only newspaper in England with an index of old. And if your business is to get up every morning and figure out what the devil Winston Churchill is talking about in his speeches and his letters 40 and 50 years ago, then you have to go to the newspaper archive library and look up the index of the Times to get yourself oriented. Often it's from some other paper because he read six papers a day. But anyway, the Times is very handy, and I have read that dang thing in the past for years. And the, the, the letters section is a kind of official record of what important people think. That is it. It's, it's, it's an official record of what important people think. Today's Times has within it a letter from the right Reverend Professor Tom Wright of St. Mary's College, St. Andrews. He is perhaps the world's greatest theologian, right? He, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Wright, Bishop Wright, but he is among evangelicals, certainly, but I think across the theological spectrum, among the most admired men in the world, allow me to read it to you. Okay. The caption is, Gender Fluid World. I'm not sure that's his caption. That's the caption the Times picked. Sir, comma, the articles by Claire Foges, parens, Gender Fluid World is Muddling Young Minds, close quote, comma, July 27th, and Hugo Rifkin, parens, quote, Quote, social media is making gender meaningless, close quote, August 1. And the letters about children wanting to be pandas, July 29, dogs or mermaids, August 1, show that the confusion about gender identity is a modern and now Internet-fueled form of the ancient philosophy of Gnosticism. The Gnostic, one who, quote, knows, close quote, comma, has discovered the secret of, quote, who I really am, close quote, behind the deceptive outward appearance, parens in Rifkin's apt phrase, the ungainly, boring, fleshy one, period. This involves denying the goodness or even the ultimate reality of the natural world. Nature, however, tends to strike back, with the likely victims in this case being vulnerable and impressionable youngsters who, as confused adults, will pay the price for their elders' fashionable fantasies, period. The right Reverend Professor Tom Wright, St. Mary's College, St. Andrews. I ask you as an educator and no mean theologian yourself, though not a professional one, what do you think of that letter? So that guy is pretty smart, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. Yeah, okay, so I agree with that letter 100%. Um, uh, Thomas Jefferson said, you can force nature out the front door with a pitchfork, but it'll gallop in the back door before you can turn around. 
I knew you would quote that. I knew you would quote that. Thank you. I get $100 from myself. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That's an excellent bet. If, um, so what are we talking about here, right? If, um, here's an iron fact. Uh, we are like dogs in our needs and appetites, many of the appetites. We have to eat. We have to sleep. I mean, like, for example, it's not good for us. It makes us stupid if we have to get up at 4 in the morning to get on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> it so, may. In some cases, it doesn't, yeah, but it, it may. may. It may. <laughs> We've got to watch this. So, uh, so we're like that, right? That's an iron fact. Here's another iron fact relevant to what the Reverend is writing about. Human babies take a long time to raise. And, you know, in a worldly world... When they're 18, they're still 18. And what that means is they have all of the mental, most of all, and sometimes all of the mental capacities they will have when they are adults, or you have as an adult. It's just that they're very inexperienced. And so big things that happen to them are happening for the first time. Now, the family is implicit in that thing I just said, because it's hard to raise a human child. And isn't it a trick of nature and God that it takes us a long time, longer than other creatures, to raise our babies, and yet we have discretion over whether we do it or not. And if we neglect them, if we fail to give them the love that parents feel for them naturally, then they will suffer. And this, these gender fluidity arguments are just arguments about how we can neglect that duty and deprive ourselves of an important part of life and I'll add one more thing. This week, it's announced that they are tampering with the human gene in ways that may be heritable so that we have taken a step toward the, on the march that we're on, which is we're going to become our own designers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very bad. And with a great economy, this amazing theologian, this amazing bishop, N.T. Wright, simply states the obvious that Gnosticism involves denying the goodness or even the ultimate reality of the natural world. Nature, however, tends to strike back with the likely victims in this case being vulnerable and impressionable youngsters who, as confused adults, will pay the price for their elders' fashionable fantasies. If you leave an infant in the middle of a highway, it will not go well. Mm. Do you know this man? I have interviewed him at three hours at length about his books. I do not know him in person, but I've heard him lecture, and he is widely regarded as the leading uh, Protestant theologian of the day. He should be an early lecturer in our new channel, in our new chapel, which is now peeking its head above the ground. Oh, very good. (laughs) Oh, you could not go wrong with N.T. Wright. I doubt there is a single person listening who's a theologian that would argue, Al Mohler or anyone, that that would be a superb... He has managed to remain orthodox and yet remain relevant. He was, of course, an Anglican bishop for many years till he laid down his duties in order to uh, be a scholar full-time. Let me now turn to the second major issue of the week, which is that General John Kelly has taken up his post as the chief of staff. Tomorrow I interview on MSNBC General H.R. McMaster, a Silver Star recipient, two Bronze Star recipients, a man who has been in real combat. Um, I asked him, by the way, at the end of this interview, which runs almost the full hour tomorrow at 8 a.m., if chaos in the White House is anything like chaos on a battlefield. And he laughed, Larry. 
<laughs> what do you make of the changes at the White House? I want to spend today talking about where we are six months into the Trump first term. Uh, I, I think uh, now, that, now that it's come, we should have expected it. But the situation in, in Washington is very grave. Uh, in the White House, uh, it seems that many people who work there, even in senior positions, are attempting to keep it an Obama administration, or anyway, lots of the Obama people still managing it. Uh, the leaks are terrible. Uh, Trump really has very few people he can trust, and I don't think that's entirely his fault. Partly, it probably is. Uh, because why? Because he's marking out a radically different path. I mean, the stuff that he's done in the time that he's been president is just breathtaking. And if you just read the list and you're a conservative-minded person, you've got to like it. I do. But the Senate doesn't like it, and many people in the White House don't like it. And, and they're fighting back with the tools that the Democratic Congress used against Ronald Reagan that inside the White House were used against Ronald Reagan, and some of the tools also that were used by the Republican Congress against Andrew Johnson after the Civil War. Now, yesterday, a treasonous thing happened, and I use that word advisedly. I know what it means. Somebody leaked the entire transcript of calls between the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Australia and the, Prime, and the President of Mexico, the entire transcript, which has, of course, the effect of deterring any foreign leader from talking candidly with the President. What do you think of that? Well, that, that's it, right? That's what's happening. And, uh, you know, you, you, you may not like Donald Trump, lots of people do, but he is the President of the United States, and he is charged with the executive authority in the United States by the people under the Constitution. And so to do that, or anything, I mean, gracious, a Coast Guard officer said last week that he would not, in public, that he would not obey an order from the Commander-of-the-Chief and Commander-in-Chief, and nothing has happened to that guy. Well, that, let's wait a bit on that, because that is not acceptable either. I'll be right back with Dr. Larry R. and everything Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. Stay tuned, America. Dr. Larry Aaron is my guest, president of Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu. Our weekly conversations are all available at hughforhillsdale.com. We were talking about what is essentially a showdown in Washington, D.C. between some pretty entrenched forces and a disruptive president. Last night in West Virginia, <coughs> Larry Aaron, he gave, doc, uh, President Trump did, quite a remarkable speech, and then he introduced the, the governor of West Virginia, who until that day had been a Democrat, and he switched parties. I don't think we can underestimate the importance of that. What do you think? Well, I've, I've uh, gotten used to uh, being wrong. I, you know, as you, as you know, I've been a Trump supporter for a long time, uh, but I've gotten used to being wrong about him because, of course, half the stuff he does looks kind of crazy. And then it works out. And so look at this. I mean, the situation in Washington is just terrible and, in my opinion, may be amounting to the fracture of the Republican Party and large elements of it joining the cause 
of the growth of the administrative state. I think that might be what's going on, right? Looks awful. Meanwhile, go out to West Virginia, and they're on a platform, and every headline in the news for two months is terrible about Trump, and the West Virginia governor, in front of his own people, joins Trump's party. That's, that's amazing to me. Now, now to me, there is um, an obvious clarity about a coalition government. And you're familiar with coalition governments because you know British politics. We have the Congressional Republican Party, of which I have long been a member, and I admire Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and the platform on which they generally agree. And now we have a new party. It's called the Party of Donald Trump, and it's actually its, it's living beating heart is in Trumbull County, Ohio, where I'm from, which was a... Blue, 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 blue county, every, all the way back to 1928, <laughs> except for 1972, and now it's a Trump county. And, and West Virginia, which was blue, 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 and elected Robert Byrd all those years, is now a red state, the reddest state. These are not my father's Republicans, but my father's Republicans and my Republicans are still there. So there's a coalition government. Can that coalition government go a long time? Because we've seen coalition governments go a long time in Great Britain, Larry Arn. Yeah, well, we don't. You see, uh, we have we don't we don't have the same ground for that to actually operate as we have in Britain, right? Uh, they can go a long time, and this, you know, in, in another way, translate the image a little bit. Political parties are big. You know, the the American Constitution and its electoral methods drive us toward a two-party system. That's good, in my opinion, because it a amalgamates opinions in the parties. You don't have 40 parties, each one claiming its own deal. But second, it, it, when big questions are pending, it tends to make them face each other and debate them directly so that the people get to choose. Uh, that second thing, I think, is not what's not functioning here right now. But, but there is the makings of a new majority in, in the Republican Party if it stays together, but they're not showing signs of doing that. Right now, and uh, not yet. If thing, you know, but I mean, goodness gracious! In the Senate, they are reintroducing a form of the vile 1970s and 80s special counsel law to protect Mueller's investigation of the president. And the point is, and they're doing that, by the way. They they claim in the name of protecting the Constitution, but the Constitution doesn't work that way. It's no, in fact. To. It's terrible. And I, I do not want the president to fire Mueller. I think he's innocent. I think he will be exonerated by a Democratic uh, applauded special counsel because I think he's fair. But uh, I don't want the independent counsel law back in any way, shape or form. I have to read to you to think about over the break, Larry Arndt. You can go look it up. Stuart Rothenberg is a very wise columnist. He's a very astute observer of politics. I take nothing away from him. Last night, he tweeted about coal miners. Of course, they are hardworking. They mean well. Just close-minded, provincial, angry, and easily misled. My wife's dad was a coal miner in Pennsylvania. Well, my great-grandfather was a coal miner in Pennsylvania when he got off the boat from Ulster. I, I can't imagine writing something like this, Larry Arn. Mean, they mean well, but close-minded, provincial, angry, and easily misled. <laughs> so... You know, compared to my ancestors, coal miners are aristocrats. (laughs) 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 And my ancestors were not like that. I'll be right back with Dr. Arn. The elites are coming apart at the seams. Stay tuned, America.
Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt, joined by Dr. Larry Arndt. It is the last radio hour of the week. That means it is time for the Hillsdale Dialogue. All things important and lasting are on the table when I talk with Dr. Arndt, president of Hillsdale College. They are all collected. Back to Homer and forward at HughForHillsdale.com. Everything Hillsdale is available at Hillsdale.edu. Uh, Dr. Arn, uh, there is an Article 1, Article 2 argument going on right now. Article 1 passed a law about Russian sanctions this week, and they included in it um, restrictions on the president's ability to elude those sanctions. And the Article 2 signing statement issued by the president says those are wrong. I'm going to sign this law, but I'm going to tell you that you don't have the authority to tell me I can't take these off. This is not unusual. It's being played as unusual by a media that may be ignorant of yesterday, much less the uh, uh, Reagan-Nicaragua wars with Congress. But it's not unusual. It is the institutionalized friction between Article 1 and Article 2. That's right. And uh, uh, what's surprising to me is how quickly, uh, see, what, what the Congress does, what they did to Reagan, what they do when they're very opposed to a, a president, and when they're Democrats, the Republicans have not been very good at this. Um, what they do is they try to invade the authority of the executive branch, and a certain amount of that is supposed to go on. And they try to control what the president does. And of course, they control, if they would but pass budgets and appropriations, they could control the purse strings of the nation and say where the money is spent. And that's a massive power. They don't do that much anymore. They don't really appropriate in the way they used to. We could talk about that. But uh, but they use devices like this. Well, that's okay. But, I mean, gracious, we're early in a Republican administration, and the Republican Congress is turning to do things like this to Trump, of course, mostly with Democratic votes, a lot of that. And that could mean, you know, I mean, that's a, a – see, just like this is a step – toward a war between the executive and the legislative, that's a step toward the fracturing of the Republican Party, which, you know, there are other steps underway like that, too. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope it's not going to happen, but there's the look of it when you look. Well, I, I would hope that cooler heads prevail, and I believe the arrival of John Kelly is such a cooler head. I interview H.R. McMaster tomorrow for an hour on MSNBC at 8 a.m. in the morning. A very impressive man, and he has been uh, a hero. He has a silver star and two bronze stars. He knows real combat. Uh, I see some of the far reaches of the right wing suggesting he's part of the deep state. That's just silly nonsense. He's an American hero. On the other hand, I see Kim Strassel, who is a very uh, significant journalist, a serious professional, one of the hardest-working, most careful journalists in the world, writing in the Wall Street Journal this morning. Have you seen this column yet, Dr. No, I haven't. Uh, Let me read you a little bit of it. Uh, Imran Awan was arrested at Dulles International Airport July 24th while attempting to board a flight to Pakistan. For more than a decade, the congressional staffer had worked under top House Democrats, and he had just been accused by the FBI of bank fraud. It was a dramatic moment in a saga that started in February when Capitol Police confirmed an investigation that Mr. Awan and his family on separate accusations of government theft. The details are tantalizing. The family all worked for top Democrats, were paid huge sums, and had access to sensitive congressional data, even while having ties to Pakistan. The media largely ignored the affair. The ho-hum coverage summed up by a New York Times piece suggesting it was nothing more than a, quote, overblown Washington story typical of midsummer. But even without evidence of espionage or blackmail, this ought to be an enormous scandal, Strassel continues. 
Based on what we know, the Awan story is, at the very least, a tale of massive government incompetence that seemingly allowed a family of accused swindlers to build federal taxpayers out of millions and even put a national secrets at risk. In a more accountable world, House Democrats would be forced to step down. Goes on to talk about how he worked as an IT staffer for House Democrats since 2004. The family, by the way, has also run a million-dollar indebted car dealership that operated full-time on the Hill. They've got loans to a man stripped of his medical license. But the key is that they are IT staffers. And, of course, we have a Democratic Party that is compromised by its IT system. And I, the obvious question to me is, does Mueller get this investigation because he's a corrupt IT staffer when the Democratic Party's IT corruption is at the heart of the Russia investigation? Don't you think it is obvious that Mueller ought to get this, Larry Arndt? Or, they, you know, if they, were, if they were good, you know, the Congress itself has enormous investigative powers. And a lot of what's going on right now is a seeding of authority from the Congress to the administrative state. Uh, You know, Congress passes a tiny fraction of the laws that come into effect in America today. Last year, maybe the Congress passed something like 150 laws. Last year, the Obama administration added 87,000 pages to the Federal Register. Those are all made in administrative agencies, right? So they also love to farm out their investigations. But the Congress has a Republican majority, and they have subpoena power. They could haul people up and find this out, and that would be good, and it would be located where it ought to be. And the Congress can't. So the idea that the Congress can, can control the executive branch and the prosecutorial power there is in the Constitution a forbidding of the Congress to pass bills of attainder. Yep. And, and that's because they're not supposed to be able to accuse people of crimes. They refer that to the executive branch, which would then go to the judicial branch. See, So you've got this confusion of how the thing is supposed to work. And the conflict between the branches, as you said earlier, is supposed to follow certain patterns that also reinforces the independence of the branches. And what they're doing right now is mixing up that independence in all kinds of ways. We are going to begin a, a discipline study of Article 1, Article 2, Article 3, and the other articles when uh, we return from our current pressing events. But I, I, the pressing events are so pressing that I want to spend another moment on it. Today, the uh, Labor Department announced, Dr. Arn, that 209,000 jobs were created in July, well above expectations, well above expectations. I think uh, more than 10% above the number. I think they were expected to come in at 180,000. And so job growth continues. I'm not sure what the rates do. The rates are based on, I don't know, uh, hokum as far as I can tell. But I do know when you're creating jobs, that's a good deal. And uh, it's down to 4.3%. That's it, tying a 16-year low. If this continues... I don't believe Trump country gives a doggone about most of what elite media obsesses about. What do you think? Well, his, you know, his approval ratings don't mean much right now, but they're very low. And, uh, they're, they're very low, uh, yeah. historically low. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's a very controversial man. And um, so, yeah, I'd, you know, will that matter later? That depends on a lot of things. Let's say that... Uh, that the Republican Party 
got, you know, the Republican majority in Congress, right? They, they, I think this is what they were elected to do by any fair reading of what they promised and what people said they voted for them for. If they would add to this job creation something, which is a welfare reform that returned us back, <coughs> excuse me, back to a regime which, if you want public benefits and you're able-bodied, you got to work for them. That's a very popular thing. And when they did that back in the Clinton years under the Gingrich-led Republican House and Senate, or he didn't read the Senate, when they did that, there was a big spurt in job growth and a decline in the welfare rolls, and we have historically high numbers of people who have opted out of the job market. So just think how many jobs you could get if you added that to this burgeoning economy, and then how much growth and wealth you could get, along with, for example, a tax cut and some moderation is all they're really failing to vote on, of the health care regulations that are costing people a fortune. So in other words, if they would do their business, then that would help a lot, too, and they haven't done much of it so far. Now, in the three senators, I want to be specific. It's not the congressional GOP that failed uh, the party promises. It was Senators Collins, Murkowski, and McCain. They have names. They voted it down. They stopped the regular order. And as a result, the premium hikes are ridiculous. I point out Senator Jeff Flake is a friend of mine. I look forward to talking to him. But, man, is he upside down. In the GOP in, in Arizona, the Republican Party in Arizona, Donald Trump has a plus 35 favorable rating. Senator Flake has a negative 35 favorable rating. What does that tell you, Larry Arn, about <laughs> someone who writes a book, The Conscience of a Conservative? Um. Well, that's math, isn't it? That's really yeah. He may not. He, have may, he may have misjudged about the conscience of most conservatives. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know, in in some broad way, you know, all these ignorant coal miners and stuff, and all the poor, Amer- ignorant American people who don't understand Washington D.C. actually probably have a rough common sense understanding of it, and that is. People are. It's a culture of its own. It's a great, powerful, governing city that has isolated itself from America in powerful ways. Just remember, remember the stark and amazing fact: all legislative power shall be vested in a Congress. Right? Paraphrase of the beginning of the Constitution. All it says: legislative power, and yet. Ninety percent of the laws are not made in the Congress anymore, and the people who made made them are not subject to the popular will. And so that's why things like that are why that city is the way it is. And I think people understand that. I think they're used to it, and I think they don't like it. People do. When I come back with Larry, I'm going to talk about the weeks ahead. But first, got to tell you about a couple of things. My friends at Food for the Poor are running their annual August campaign with me. And as I said, I took my two boys out to dinner last night, and of course I paid for it. But when I came home, I also made a contribution to Food for the Poor. It's one of my, one of my disciplines in August. If I eat out, I try and make a contribution to Food for the Poor. Because I, I want to remember the people in Haiti who are actually starving. The drought there in its fourth year. Food for the Poor is the most effective anti-poverty organization in Haiti and in the hemisphere. Less than 5% is overhead. Uh, originally begun as a Catholic operation, it's now non-denominational, it's ecumenical, but what it does is it feeds starving people in Haiti. At the top of HughHewitt.com, you will see, and, and more than $6,000 already donated one day that I've told you about this, so 
Your money will go to starving people. That's what I want you to know. If you want to fulfill your obligation this summer to take care of those who are the lost and the least, you can do it with Food for the Poor. You can do it online at HughHewitt.com. It says, give the gift of life right up there at the top. Impossible to miss. Impossible to miss. And it's impossible to go wrong if you trust Food for the Poor to deliver clean water and clean food. $50 will feed a child for a year in Haiti and provide clean water for their village for life because of the wells that Food for the Poor creates. And uh, and I just have such confidence in this organization. Don't go anywhere. One more conversation coming up with the one and the only and the often always right, Dr. Larry Arndt. Stay tuned. All things Hillsdale at HughForHillsdale.com. Stay with us. America to you here with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. Uh, Dr. Arn, Jamie Dupree is a terrific reporter, and he often provides context. And this morning he posted the job creation numbers dating back to 1997 for July. I go back to the year before the Great Recession started to come up. That year in 2006, July job numbers were 206,000 jobs created. Uh, 2007, the Great Recession had begun, but not the crash, Thirty minus 34,000 jobs. The Great Recession hit in the uh, in the summer of 2008, in the fall of 2008. We lost 213,000 jobs. It was in full grip of the country during the first year of Obama. We lost 329,000 jobs. A year later, we lost 68,000 jobs. Then the recovery began. In 2011, we gained 69,000 jobs in July. In 2012, we gained 143. 2013, we went back a little bit, 122. In 2014, we went back, we went up a little bit to 202. 2015, we went up a lot to 254. 2016, under President Obama, we went to 291. And this year, we're at 209. That's context. It seems to me that July is a time of some job growth, but not booming. You just don't want to be negative. That's context. Where is context in reporting? It's all about Donald Trump and not about trends. Yeah. Well, uh, we in rare cases in the past, there have been great newspapers that have been stable uh, providers of context and dispassionate, right? And they their job, when it's good, is a little bit like historians. You know, in other words, they, you know, when did this happen before? How does it compare to other things like it? That kind of reporting is really great. It's also really hard. And understand, it's very rare. Uh, I could, uh, there's a, Winston Churchill had a great thing. He would uh, write long letters to people for his own satisfaction and mark on them, not sent. And then he would write a second draft, half the link, not sent. And then a one paragraph letter making a small complaint. He did that to Joe Stalin. He huh. did it to the the proprietor of the Times of London, and he went through the last twenty years. He wrote this in in 1940. He went through the last twenty years and the things about which they had been wrong and persistent. <laughs> and, and he never sent that letter, but it's really great. And you can write it about the media today. Amen. I want to close with a retired colonel sent me a note this morning. North Korea is the most important issue out there, and most people are thinking of it. 
My second biggest fear after their artillery is that Trump's American domestic enemies would use a conflict for leverage to leverage their personal advantage, undercutting the critical unity we would need to face our greatest military challenge since Hitler. Do you share that concern? Uh, you have to add context, but I do. Uh, it, it looks to me like uh, North Korea is operating in some considerable cooperation with China, indeed is in some ways a tool of Chinese foreign policy, because of a simple fact that I learned lately, and that is trade between North Korea and China has been growing rapidly in recent months, and North Korea is having a kind of mini economic boom, you know, which for them is people actually might have grain to eat. And, uh, and so this is being subsidized by an emerging, ambitious, uh, clever, patient, steady power that is a danger to its neighbors in the Far East. And China, I don't think, wants a war. I don't think they want. I don't think they want all of this to break out. I think they want to neutralize us. And I think the danger will come if we try to stop that. And I think we do have to try to stop that, because that vast continent and all its people and its rapid growth, you know, and we're our friends are the literal literal nations, the nations along the periphery, because we're a big sea power, right? We're removed from the great population centers of the world. Our strategy is rather like Britain's, just on a bigger scale. We're kind of an island nation. And so it's funny to think of us that way, isn't it? But, um, but that means that just go down that coastline, right, and, and you've got Korea and Japan and you've got Taiwan and you've got around the corner to the Philippines and Indonesia. Those are places that we need to reach. And we don't have any aggressive intent toward any of them. Uh, you know, we conquered them, right? And then we did what we do. We left. And so that, that we need to preserve the ability to do that for the stability and growth of the world and for our own security. And I think what this is about is they've got, you know, it's kind of handy to have a madman, isn't it? It, well, tomorrow I'm going to interview H.R. McMaster. I hope you are up wherever you are at 8 a.m. to watch it because it does help to have the world unfamiliar with how people are going to react. And he says that the president has no red lines. He doesn't want people to know where his red lines are. That's almost a direct quote from tomorrow's interview. And it is a dangerous time. I mean, it's a really dangerous time. So uh, it's good to have you to uh, talk at that time. Dr. Larry Arn, all things Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu. Ben, running the board again, helping Adam out. Thank you. You're learning as you go along. Thank you, Adam, and thank you, General Lissimo. Thanks to everyone who listens. Follow me on Twitter at uhewitt.com, and don't miss tomorrow's lengthy, wide-ranging interview with H.R. McMaster, 8 a.m. on MSNBC. Thank you, America. Thank you, America.